you would please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You're looking at the first 11 verses of chapter 1. Our focus this glorious day will be verse 11. We will have a time of prayer now, and we will read the word of the Lord. Father, in this season of thanksgiving, which your people know intimately, Father, may we be overwhelmed. Not only did you redeem us, but you secured us. And even in that, you will use us to your glory and to your exaltation. Father, who is worthy for such a task? And yet we draw this day, Lord, to be nourished on your word, to be encouraged by your precious children, and Father, to equip one another for the task that each of us have. Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Help our hearts to be open to your word. Let us be sensitive to the promptings of your spirit. And Father, may we rejoice the amazing things that you continue to do. We praise you and we love you. But Father, may we praise you more and may we love you more with every gracious breath you grace us until that day our faith becomes sign. Let us hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let us hunger and thirst for you, to you and you alone, in Christ's name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, first 11 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, He on whom we have set our hope, and He will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that the thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Wow, this is good stuff. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. 
The Apostle Paul's writing a church that has been a proverbial pain. We've spent several years in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we've seen that they had corrupted their freedom. They had perverted the role of marriage. They became drunk at the Lord's table, and they were even to the point of perverting the spiritual gifts which God had given the believers in Corinth. And if you take these two texts, 1 and 2 Corinthians, no church in the New Testament was chastened more than the church in Corinth. And yet the Apostle Paul writing this second letter, because it was after a severe letter that he wrote to them, had been told by Titus that there were some repenting. Some of the core who understood who Paul was and what Paul had done are going, wow, boy, did we blow it. That would be a paraphrase. And they understood that they needed to come back to the foundation of which they had drifted from. And yet Paul writes this letter and it doesn't deal with a lot of theology. It deals with a lot of what is ministry. What are you going to deal with? Listen, the battle the Apostle Paul has in this text has got nothing to do with lost people. This battle is with saved people. He makes a statement there that says, to the church in Corinth. This isn't the cult in Corinth. This isn't the wannabe church in Corinth. This is a group of people who are believers in Jesus Christ and dwelled by the Holy Spirit, echoing the kingdom of heaven. And yet... They have gone astray. This is not a doctrinally stupid church. This isn't an ignorant place. This is a group of people who know, but were led away by the quote-unquote flesh and their own self-sufficiency and their own arrogance. Please understand that. That is so ripe in this day, in this age, in this community. It is that I have the ability... And he makes a statement here that, hey, we despaired even of life. We had gotten to the proverbial end of our ropes. We were done. We had absolutely nothing left. And yet God took us to that place that we would not trust in ourselves, but we would trust in God. And he does it because he can only raise the dead. Minor detail. And yet, how many in the body of Christ today do we see struggling, trying to walk as Christ walked? I remember, remember the little bracelet, uh, what would Jesus do? I always thought that was kind of comical to me because when Jesus ran upon dead people, he raised them. I have not had any success at that at all. Okay, but I have wondered, why don't we say walking with Jesus daily? Why? Because that is in humility. That is in the power of Christ. That is saying, hey, I am nothing, as Paul tells us later in this letter. I am nothing but an earthen vessel. He starts out this letter, hey, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? You people have caused me great heartache. You have caused me great anguish. In the midst of all the things that I am dealing with, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I called this the comfort in trouble. Comfort... Okay, we've got to be careful because comfort we define. Okay, that is not the term here. Comfort is strengthened through trouble, which is any pressure. 
Okay, how am I comforted? How am I strengthened through whatever comes against me? Listen, it can be an outside force. It can be an inside force. It can be your own struggles or it can be those who would attack you. How am I strengthened through that? And what he's saying here is your wife doesn't strengthen you. Your kids will not strengthen you. Your husband will not strengthen you. You will go to the end of it where you can run out of resources and God himself will comfort you. He will strengthen you for the task that is before you, regardless of what you think, regardless, even if I am to the point of death. Regardless, regardless, we saw the person of comfort in verse three. We saw the promise of comfort in the first part of verse four. We saw the purpose of comfort in four, the second part of four and verses six and seven. But there's an abundance of comfort in all things. Why? As the sufferings of Christ are abundant. The comfort of God is. Abundant. And, 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 and I, 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 I am convinced that we miss this. And, and what I'm, I'm specific is, is the evangelical church in America, the evangelical church here in Castle Rock. Because everything I see today is man-generated. How can I do it? And you know what? There's a good motive behind it. Let us bring forth the kingdom. But you know what? You couldn't bring forth the kingdom if you had a map. God brings forth the kingdom. Period. And there's that other text that we need to understand. There has to be a great falling away before the second coming. What are you going to do with bringing forth that? And we be be careful. Why? We are but vessels. We are but vessels. It is God's plans, God's purposes, God's will. And we are here as humble servants to say, send me, Lord. Send me. Because that is the awesomeness of comfort. The awesomeness of God's comfort, the awesomeness of God's strengthening through any circumstances is that He can only raise the dead. That's it. That would be the limit of His power. Bummer. Bummer. And so why would I want to try to do it another way? He can raise the dead. We do not trust Him ourselves, but a God who raises the dead. He delivered us from so great a peril of death. Now, we don't know what was going on in Asia, but if you just look at Paul's track record, it had to be a dandy. I mean, every time he turned around, somebody wanted him dead or something would happen that you would think he's going to die. Among this trouble in this church in Corinth, there was this faithful group in the middle of it and, the, and, and all I can call it is the middle of this rebellion. See, what happens is once you move out from under what the scripture has given you, you are now open to the leading of your flesh. And what had happened was, is that under this error, under this what they were trying to tout as freedom, they were becoming in bondage to Right? Remember 1 Corinthians is where he told us, you know what, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. All right, think about how much you invest in that has no profit to it. 
But it is permissible. Right? It's permissible. And you know, I, I, I get people. <laughs> and when you deal with Russia, the life expectancy of a male in Russia is about 47, 48. Okay? And it's between tobacco and vodka. Okay? Uh, or, or a mixture of the two. And uh, so when you go over there, uh, the last time I taught over there, guess what? I taught 1 Corinthians the whole, all week. And, and I shared with them, you've got to be careful about forcing things. I mean, I can't show you a biblical text that says smoking. And what a bad illustration, Terry, is a sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you take tobacco and you roll it up and inhale the smoke, that it's a sin. And you just don't want to tell the Russian pastors that. And it's funny because when they serve communion, guess what they serve? Wine. All right? But if you drink, it's a sin. So I, okay, fine. But I showed them, move away from your legalism and say, I shall not be mastered by any. Okay? I mean, listen, I used to smoke. I used to chew. I used to do all the things that ever, you know, that goes on in this world. And some shouldn't. All right? And what I have learned is I have a freedom now that I've never experienced when I was trying to be free in the world. Why? Don't be mastered. And that's where we miss it. Why? That's what our Russian brothers do. Why? How do I comfort somebody who's going through this? Well, you can't, but you probably will go through it. So as Paul's already shared with you, what? You can comfort those who go through it. You know, and, and I, I, that's a tragedy. I remember talking to Valeri, the pastor in Orel, and I was getting ready to leave. I think it was my first or second trip over there. I don't remember exactly. And I said, Valeri, how can I pray for you? And, and, and pray for the church. They call it the Transfiguration Church in Orel. And he held his head sadly. He holds his head down like this. And I said, well, Valeria, you know, how, how can I pray? And he says, uh, on Wednesday we have a time of prayer. He says, that's all right. It's all right. It's all right. We pray on Wednesdays for the fellowship and reaching the lost. And I said, well, yeah, that's, you know, we, we sort of do that in, in America. And he says, we have 300 people in our church. And I said, I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm impressed. And he says, we can only get 280 of them to come out and pray. And how would you like me to pray for you, Larry? <laughs> now that you just caused your brother to covet. And I said, well, the other 20 should come. Okay, Larry, I'll put that priority on my list. But see what I'm trying to get at? What, what did we do? See, is anybody here, remember the first time that the pastor, some of you haven't experienced it yet, the first time the pastor asked you to pray out loud, pray for the offering or pray for the Lord's table or, or something like that, and you're, you're, you're scarred for life and you always remember that day and you've got it marked on it and you have to take pills to, oh, I couldn't believe it, I was standing in there, I was trying to mind my own business. 
And, and we all have that. And, and I always want, now I had that. Maybe you guys are, had it all figured out, but I, I remember the first time I was asked, I had to pray for an offering. I about, <gasps> Jesus is coming back. <laughs> okay. Now I remember it distinctly. <laughs> anyway, had I only known. Um, but, but I remember that and, and, and I thought, as I have grown in what God has shown me, what, why would I be afraid to pray out loud? Same reason the church in Corinth had a problem. They call it an ego problem. What if I say something stupid? Well, if you're praying, you will. I guarantee it. I was reading John Bunyan, and John Bunyan said, contained in my prayers is enough sin to condemn the whole world. John Bunyan? He went to prison for preaching the gospel and refusing it. And he had a handicapped daughter. And they said, we'll let you out if you just shut up. He says, I can't. I can't. I was there going, and you're telling me he's got sin in his prayers? Well, yeah, if you're offering them up, I guarantee you, you've got sin in your prayers. So at what part of your ego is really going to get into trouble praying out loud? I tell husbands and wives even before they were married, that the most intimate thing you can do with your spouse is to pray because you go before the throne room of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it you're really going to hide? I mean, you can sneak it in there as He exposes it. But but you're not going to hide it. And that's what I want you to look at now because there is an allowance for comfort. There is an amazement that goes on in comfort. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care what your affliction is. I don't care what your suffering is. I don't care what you're dealing with. It is because the sovereign God of existence is going to comfort you through it so you can have others experience that same comfort. And not only that, there will be this great celebration of prayer and thanksgiving. How cool is that? Verse 11, you also joining in helping us through your prayer. Stop right there. You got that? He's already told us who comforts you. This is the interaction part. Who comforts you? God does. Why? So that you can comfort others. Why? So when they group together and you bring it to their attention, they can all sing hallelujah at the same time because they were unified in prayer. I have watched a church in America today. We sneak around and pray. Why? Well, just in case it ain't answered. I don't want God to be embarrassed. What? I see people who do that. I don't want to share this. Why? What if God doesn't make it happen? He'll seem like he's not capable. I'm sitting there going, okay. What Bible are you reading? And and Paul is, is acknowledging that, you know what? Even in the midst of the trouble of this church, there was a faithful group who were lifting the Apostle Paul in prayer. Now, they understood the Apostle Paul was in trouble about every time he turned around. They did not understand it. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction. We despaired even of life. They had lost the will to live. Whatever it was they were going through, they didn't want to live no more. Okay, sort of like when I go to the dentist. 
I don't want to live no more. <laughs> well, maybe you've had better dentists. <laughs> the ones I had was like, oh, this, I always thought that hell was full of dentists because it said gnashing of teeth. <laughs> and I, well, you know, that's, I thought that's what that meant. I just never had a lot of luck with dentists. All right. And he says, we had gotten to this place and yet there's a core group who lifts up prayer. You know what? When I go to Russia, I know that there's a handful of people who pray for me. I know that for a fact. I know a handful of people across this country who pray for me. <laughs> yeah, that's a long story. But anyway, but they pray for me. Okay. And I know they pray for me and I share with them. But you know what the tragedy is? There is only a handful of people that I feel confident in that I say, will you pray about this? And I know they will. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. There was a handful of people here that I asked to pray and I know they prayed because it says here, you joined in helping us through your prayers. Prayers. Why? Because now many can give thanks that God answered our prayers in a mighty, awesome way. I believe in my own salvation came through the faithful prayer of three very godly women. They prayed for me at the point of my father's death when I was 12. They began praying for mine and my brother's salvation. And they prayed every day for my salvation. And if you had like a split screen TV thing and you watch them pray and watch my life, you're like, it ain't working. The more we pray, the worse he gets. And to the point that God took me over here to a place that I would not wish on anybody. And then I could call my mom and these women who were praying for me and say, Mom, I have come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time I go back and see them, well, one of them is in glory now, but the other ones always want to know how am I doing and know that we are still praying for you. Why? They give thanks. They give thanks. They're praying for me now. We want to like to see you go to Uganda and teach those pastors. I said, stop that. <laughs> Well, we're praying that you could go to Burma. Please stop that. What does it matter with you people? I'm busy. I've got plenty to do. Why? Because it is through that prayer of these people that many give thanks. Many give thanks. See, God's going to do what He's going to do. I, am, I believe God is absolutely sovereign. All right. Well, you sound like a Calvinist. You haven't read Calvin. Calvin doesn't sound like a Calvinist. All right. And, and, and you, you missed it. All right. God's sovereign people. All right. And prayer isn't for me to move his will. I have, what do you think you were badgering? Oh, you know, God's plans can't be changed, but I can pray him out of it. No, you ain't. Prayer will move you into God's will. You know, one of the things that's killing me today in the body of Christ, the church today, is that I see too many people looking for God's hand. Okay, this is how I describe it. They're looking for God's hand. Help me. Okay, instead of looking for God's face. 
Because see, you know what? You look for God's face, you realize you don't need no help. He's got it covered. He's got it covered. He doesn't... See, Paul doesn't want them for a moment. He doesn't want you and I for a moment to think that he doesn't need them. Have you ever watched the body of Christ? Some of you say, nope. <laughs> anyway. When someone first comes to salvation, there is an amazing move to pray for that person, right? We want them to be protected. We want them to grow. We want them to be hungry for the Word. And, and, and I mean, and also, you get people coming out of the woodwork, like, let's pray for such and such. Or let's, let's pray, you know, we had that baptism, let's pray for such and such. And we go, whoa, we just, you know, the Word could get stolen. And let's just pray, let's just pray, right? You know what? I, I, I understand the mindset that is behind that. But have you ever thought about it, truthfully? When it comes to praying for the saints, who needs the most prayer? The new believer or the one who's in there fighting? The one who's up front? I remember many, many years ago, I'd gone through, I'd come to salvation and, and got mad at him because I thought when you got saved, everything became really good. Okay? And, um, and it didn't. All right? And, and so I, I remember, remember getting mad at him and... and, and um, through that, he instilled in me a, a tremendous, unquenchable hunger for his word. Okay, now I'm not talking about books about his word. I'm talking about his word. I, I just, I have a ravenous appetite that I realize just for whatever reason, it just never gets full. Okay, and, and it's, and, and that's really weird for me because I hate reading. If God wanted me to read, why did he make cassettes? Or I guess they don't use cassettes no more, do they? I grew up with eight tracks. Come on, people. Um, but but I, 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 it was through that that he developed this that I kind of understood what was before us. All right, he brought me through that time, and I remember one time on my knees, and I tell people, I said, you know what, prayer will drive you to the word, and the word will drive you to prayer. Okay, I grew up with a military background, and, and I remember that, Lord, let me be your point man. If I had known what I was asking for, I'd have never verbalized those words. And I believe that's what the pastor it is. He's the guy that's out front. Okay, but you don't put him out there unless there's a whole bunch of people behind him praying, because who's going to be the target? If I slay the shepherd, flock scatter. And you know what? I watch that in America today and we could care less about the shepherds. We'll run them off as quick as we want to. I don't know what you guys' problem is, but <laughs> I've been here way too long. Some would say. I've had people in this church, they're not in here no more, who said they will wait me out. <laughs> I break the news to you, I ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> so <laughs> you can wait me out, but I don't have anything else to do. Do you, do you understand that? Why? Because there are people who will lift us up in prayer daily. You know that 280 Russians who pray every Wednesday? Do you know that you guys are on the list? You know they got a picture? Remember uh, years ago when I took a picture out here on the step of everybody? They've got a picture in the offices that they pray for us. See... James chapter 5 verse 16 says the fervent prayer of what? A righteous man availeth much. 
you understand that? Well, I ain't righteous, so I ain't praying. Duck. I know who you are, and I'm praying for you. See, God moves through the prayers of His people. And He wants it to be people, not persons. That person prayed. You know, when we get to heaven, we talk about all these crowns and rewards. There's going to be a whole bunch of people up there that you're going to sit there and go, well, they never wrote a book. How are they getting so many crowns? And all they did is fervently pray. And nobody knew it, but they prayed. But you know what he's trying to get across here is that we pray. We unite in communion with God through the intercessory prayer. We pray for the lost. We pray for the lost loved ones. We pray for the strengthening of our leaders. We pray for our government. We pray for those in authority over us. You know that this town never had invocation between the, for the town meetings. And in January, through much prayer, the town asked if we would start having pastors come in and pray for their, the, the town meetings. Figure that out. Everybody in this country is throwing prayer out. And this silly place says, well, let's add prayer. But it was been several years of people praying. Here's what I want you to think about. When you pray for the leaders, people say, well, you want me to pray for you? I don't want you to stop. Verse 18, Ephesians chapter 6. With all prayer and petitions, pray at all times. Got too many alls in there. With all prayer. Okay, prayer in the original text means it's going to take divine intervention. That's what the text means. It isn't saying, well, you know, if I go talk to the governor or if I go talk to the policeman. No, he's saying what we're dealing with here is going to take divine intervention. That's where you see the word prayer. But he says petitions. Okay, petitions is, listen, this is what the Lord wants. I want divine intervention to fulfill this at all times in the spirit with the view to be on alert for all perseverance and petitions for who? All the saints. Well, see, there's that big thing. I'm praying for the missionaries in Ethiopia and I'm praying for the missionaries in Uganda. And I'm praying. That ain't what it says. Read on. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. You want to pray for me? That one there works fine. I have a boldness and I can make clear the mystery of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for me. Why? That the word would go forth. He tells the, uh, in the conclusion of 1 Thessalonians, pray for me. That the word goes forth from us with power. You can be the best teacher in the world, but if God ain't moving the words, you might as well sit in a college class. Do you and I have a continued plea for the people? Paul says, pray on my behalf. Intercessory prayer is crucial to the expression of God's great power and God's great glory and His sovereign purpose. Why? Because He wants all of His people to gather together in one great big thank you. Linsky put it this way, quote, In prayer, 
human impotence casts itself at the feet of divine omnipotence. <laughs> I like the way that sounds. <laughs> That's some smart people. In prayer, human impotence casts itself at the feet of divine omnipotence. That's true, brothers, sisters. See, prayer says we don't have anything. And God says, yeah, I know. That's why I sent my son. That's why I sent the spirit. That's why you have the body, the bride. See, why we pray has nothing to do with modifying God's power. But it glorifies God's power. Think about it when a group of people all praying for the same purpose, God moves in a massive way. What do the people do? We thank God. We rejoice. We exalt His name. Listen, it's not a matter of you and I changing God's plan. We just want to be in line with it. And you do that through prayer. We give thanks. And that's what Paul's telling us. Why? That's what he says right here. Look, we give thanks by what? Many people. Many people. You joined in helping us through your prayers. Have you ever thought about that? That's amazing. My first trip to Russia, I kept, I went with a guy who had two PhDs. And I'm thinking, why? what am I doing here? Um, and you know, when I got there, uh, I, we had flown in some kind of weird thing. You left and as a day and it was bizarre. You got into Moscow and of course everybody wanted to run you around Moscow and show you what Moscow looked like. I mean, it's a city. It just got funny written road signs. Um, but, but you went over there and then we caught a train that night, an overnight train to Orel and, and you, you cruise down and you're kind of still in the, Oh man, what's going on in my life? And then, then we got into Orel about seven o'clock in the morning and you're bleary eyed. They kept telling you that, well, you can, you know, you can sleep on the train. It had been like 40 hours that I'd been sleeping on things that were moving. And I, no, I'm. You know, and you're tired and, and all the rest of it. So I get up and it was Sunday morning. We arrived there and you're kind of sitting there and everybody's smiling at you and all the rest of it. And he looks at me and says, we need you to bring the message this morning. Well, they won't know if I'm speaking in tongues because they can't speak American anyway. I don't know what I'm going to say. So I had to grab a hold of something that, you know, kind of was in there that would work. You know, there's got to be something in here as all the reading of the Bible. And I taught this this text out of Ephesians, Paul's prayer. I taught that text uh, in chapter 3, uh, and, and God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think or imagine. And when I got done, these two Russian ladies, babuskas, come up to me, and they've got tears in their eyes. And through the translator, they explained to me that they had struggled with that text, and they knew that by their prayers that God has used me to explain to them that text. That there's humbling, guys. That there is just flat out. Glad I planned that. See, when I read this, he says, you are helping us through your prayers. Have you ever thought about that? 
Intercessory prayers. See, when we are united in prayer, Paul is telling you and I, when God delivers, in this case Paul, then everybody's united in thanksgiving. And it ain't got nothing to do with turkey and dressing and all the rest of it. It is saying, did you see the hand of an awesome God moving that man or that woman's life because of our prayers? So that we can give praise and glory. See, many prayers bring many thanks. God works through those prayers. And yet, there's always that marvelous balance that it is God's sovereign purpose that He's allowed you and I to be a part of. Isn't that cool? See, the allowance of comfort says, I am allowing you to be involved and look the eternal destiny of souls. And some of you will be involved directly and some of you indirectly through your faithful, fervent prayers of the people that I send forward. See, we pray for one another. We should be lifting each other up every moment. Do you understand that in this room right now, I've got people who have health issues that cannot be diagnosed, that are struggling with it? I have people who have got job issues that doesn't look like it's going to work. I know people right now who are struggling with relationships. I know people who are struggling with their kids. I know kids who are struggling with their parents. We've got people in this congregation who are blended families that the spouse is a non-believer. And yet it is through the fervent prayer of the saints that we get to say, thank you, God, when we watch him Correct it, fix it, save it, restore it, forgive it. And yet, how many are involved? I would like to see every one of us say, Hallelujah, thank you. What an awesome God. We bring our burdens to one another. Oh, I believe that fulfills the law of Christ. Huh, I wonder where I read that at. We pray for each other faithfully. Why? Because when you bring me your burden, listen, you guys think that you can call me and, 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 and while well, I call him and he's got the red phone. Dude, you've all got the red phone. Some of you got redder phones than I got. It isn't a matter of, well, I call a preacher and we'll, no! I don't have an inside track on this. But we share with one another. Why? You're walking through it because some of us have walked through it and you need to seek us out and so that we can pray and we can show you the comfort of God. That surpasses understanding. It'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Been there, done that. And you know what? There are things that some of you have gone through that I praise God you did and I don't have to. And when I get ready to walk into him, I will seek you out and ask for your assistance. 
That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get to us, trying to get to these Corinthians. These Corinthians, I think about a lot of the heartache and emotional stress and, 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 and sorrow that he has is coming from these people. And yet he says, blessed be the God and Father. Why? Because I'm going through this so I can comfort you. Why? Because you're causing it. But I can help you be comforted. See, God is a God of tender mercy. He is a God of all comfort. And He comforts us in all things. In all afflictions. You know why? So that we can comfort others who go through the same. It's funny. People who just run into me. They say, well, you don't live in a real world, dude. You know, you're a pastor. You know, and you, you, you just don't understand what's going on in this world. Let me tell you something. I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't raised by Christians. My parents were not Christians. Okay. And I grew up in the 60s and 70s. Do I need to explain that? Okay, here's how bad it is. I went to Ohio State right out of school. I went one semester and I knew that I would not survive four years. I knew there's no way I was going to make this. There's no way that my body was going. There were people wagering money. I wouldn't live to see 25. Okay. I was going to live life as fast and as furious as possible as, as, with as much energy as I could muster. So you know what? I do understand. I don't live someplace. I've never been to seminary. I've never been to a college. I've never been to any of these. And you know what? If you take the top list of things I want to be on when I grow up, this ain't on the list. And I share that with you because I had a group of people praying that I'd get saved. And you know what is great is? They haven't stopped. And it doesn't matter no matter what you're going through, what you think you're going through, what you're struggling with. You know what? I guarantee you, you're not the first one. And I can guarantee you, you won't be the last one. No matter how severe the trial. Even if we lose the will to live. God who raises the dead will step in. And you know what is really cool about it? He will every moment of every second of your life. Even to the time he says. Well done. True and faithful servant. And he takes you to glory. And He does it through the prayers of His people so that all will see His glory. You've seen this. If you've been in Bible studies before, you know the ones I'm talking about. In Bible studies where they throw out the prayer request and I'm praying for such and such to be saved or praying for such and such to be saved. And you pray for over a year. I remember praying for uh, almost two years for the reconciliation of a marriage. Okay? And, 
it got to where I felt sorry for praying for this guy. <laughs> it was awful. I kept thinking, dude. <laughs> I mean, he left his wife for another woman. Okay, and 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 said he doesn't want to have no part of it. Their first when they were going to end the the divorce, the first one there was this great ice storm in southern Ohio, and so they canceled the court hearing. By the time they had the second court hearing was about eight or nine months later. Uh, he'd gotten thrown in jail for possession of cocaine and couldn't attend it, so they couldn't annul the marriage. And he just kept going like this over and over and over. But after about a year of this, you're like, you poor bugger. Dude, <laughs> you know, because because I remember thinking, my Lord, maybe you ought to give this guy a divorce because I'm thinking he's, you know what? He's an elder in their church now and she leads a women's ministry. And both of them were infants in Christ at the time that he left his wife. And she says, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I do know that God hates divorce. And that's the extent of her theology. And a group of us in the United States began praying and I watched it change. And you know what? A whole group of us in the United States began saying, thank you, Lord. But I've been in them Bible studies where someone will say, you know what? We've been praying for the salvation of such and such and they got saved and nobody says anything. There's indifference. You know what you told me? I wasn't praying for it. I wasn't lifting that one up. So when it gets answered, you just sort of, yeah, Amen. <laughs> Why? But if you are fervent in your prayers for this situation and it comes to be, when it comes to be, what do you do? Thank you, Lord. See, and it's easy to know who's praying. See, I'm not trying to change the mind of God. I'm trying to put myself in a position to express gratitude to God. That's prayer. See, all this comfort comes in our troubles and we get to help one another even through prayer. Why? Something about that the body may be built up. It's an interesting concept. Apostle Paul saying goodbye to the Church of Thessalonica says that God Himself would answer your prayers and bring you to every good work. He, he doesn't send the second string. I like that. I was, I was just thinking about this earlier this morning. It took me a while to find it. But I want you to listen to these words. Because I, I, I think this summarizes prayer. Be still my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he is faithful, will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through thorny ways, leads to a joyful end. That's it, brothers. Sisters, that's it. We just came out of Thanksgiving. I'd like to tell you I planned that that way, but I didn't. 